Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Praise the Lord, my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits. Who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. As the father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and is gone and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works. Everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. Well, I just wanted to remind you today that God is on his throne. And there are times in our lives and throughout history that it looked like things were out of control, but there's never been a moment that there wasn't God sitting on his throne. And he can keep in perfect peace today the mind who is stayed. On him. And so, whether you're in this room or listening online, thank you for joining us today. It's a very wise thing in the midst of all the news and all the conversations, just everything else, to take a moment wherever we are and fix our eyes on Jesus and worship wholeheartedly and uh, pray for one another and pray for our world and in our nation. You know, you look throughout history and you look through the Old Testament, certainly, and and see uh, times uh, far crazier than this. If anyone says, man, this is the most fill-in-the-blank time in history, probably not, okay? Um, Just really no. Uh, But you look through the Old Testament, and you see that people would confess their sins, and they would uh, pray to God, and they would come, and they would look on God, and uh, that's what we are going to do as a church regarding our weekend worship services. We are taking this week by week, and we want to be good partners to our community. Uh, we did decide, along with some other 
uh, neighboring churches in our immediate community to gather this weekend, uh, but also encouraged people uh, not to feel any pressure from us uh, if you didn't feel up to gathering on site this weekend. And if you're not here, no one's thinking less of you or anything like that. Uh, I'm not sure what we're going to do next weekend. Uh, again, we'll partner and support with our community as much as possible. If we do not gather, we will have some kind of online experience uh, that you can watch and engage with. Um, and it would be great if you did that with your small group and stayed uh, connected with them. And other things move on. People still need the church. They still need help. They still need God's word in their life. They need worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism. And so we'll update you through email and social media um, uh, before each weekend. Um, what we're going to do, uh, if you not subscribed to the Rockbrook News email that we send out every Friday, I'm not sure when it'll go out this week, but just put on your communication card that you want to get that, and then again on social media. But uh, we're, either way, we're not going to be a high-touch environment right now, so we're not shaking hands or hugging. Some of you uh, have even expressed concerns about passing the offering bags and those kinds of things, and I want you to know that I care about your concerns and I hope that you'll care about the concerns of the people in your life and be sensitive to their fears and uh, worries. So uh, we're not going to pass offering today. It, there's a couple of baskets as you leave. You can drop a giving envelope or a communication card in there as you leave. If you're listening online, there's giving tabs. There's even a communication card on the app. Uh, but people need to get to know God in this time. And if you don't know him, we want to introduce you to him. If you do know him, we want you to know him better. So we're in a series uh, that was planned several weeks ago called Getting to Know God, and last week we looked at God's omniscience, how God is all-knowing, and this week we're going to look at another attribute of God that is very fitting uh, for what we are experiencing. In fact, I never, I never even consider for a second changing the message for this weekend, because I really believe even more so what God has for us is going to be very powerful in our lives this week. Find it in Jeremiah 32, 17. It says, Sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Read this part with me, please. Nothing is too hard for you. And what we're talking about is what theologians call the omnipotence of God. Last week was omniscience. This week is omnipotence. And what omnipotence means is that God is almighty. It's totally unique to him. He has unlimited power, never gets tired, never gets sick. Everything's easy for him. Jesus said, you find this in Luke 18, 27, that what is impossible with man, so man gets sick, man gets tired, man is frail, man cannot save themselves, but what is impossible with man is possible with God. And today I want us to look at the evidence of God's power and what that means for us and how do we get God's power in our life. And the natural place to start is with creation. Creation is a witness of God's power. Did you know the sun produces more energy in one second than has been used in the history of the world? They say that the sun at its current rate could burn for another 30 billion years, no problem. That's a lot of power. It's not near as great as the, of the power of the creator who made the sun. Because something that powerful doesn't just show up out of thin air or come from nothing. In Psalm 19, it says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. Every moment, creation is a witness to the creator and the power of the creator. And as we talk about 
Christians talk about apologetics, like defending our faith and the reasons for God and everything else. Here's God's apologetic. Go look outside. <laughs> look around. It's designed. It's powerful. It doesn't come from nothing. I love Psalm 115.3. It says, our God is in heaven. It's one of my favorite verses. Doing whatever he wants to do. And he just does exactly as he pleases. He doesn't have to consult with anyone. He doesn't have to get something passed. He doesn't have to appoint a committee. He doesn't have to hold a press conference. He doesn't have to meet with a board. He just does it. And we're either okay with that or we're not. And depending upon your relationship with Jesus Christ, the fact that God does what he wants is either comforting or disturbing. If you know God, if you know Jesus, this is very comforting because you know God's character. And you say, I want God doing exactly what God wants to do. The Bible says that the universe was created at God's command. Read through Genesis 1 and 2 and you see this pattern of God said something and then there it was. He literally spoke existence into being. So he said light and there was light and he said fish and the ocean's filled with fish and he said uh, that vegetation and you have all these kinds of vegetation and we see the evidence every day of God's power that he spoke it into existence where there is a design you have to have a designer Jesus Christ for from him through him and for him are all things let's look at Jesus Jesus life displayed God's power he had power that no one else has had or has. It's, he had power over nature. He would speak and it would control the wind and the waves. He spoke to a tree and it withered. He turned water into wine. He had power over nature. He had power over illness, things that no one else uh, could do or knew or understand. He healed the blind, the sick, the lame, the disease. Uh, he, raised, he had power over death. He raised people from the dead. He raised himself from the dead. Like, who raised Jesus from the dead? Jesus raised Jesus from the dead. Your God can't walk, can't talk, can't see, can't move. He's a block of wood, a hunk of metal. My God raises himself from the dead. Who else can do that? He had power over Satan. So you read through the Gospels. Jesus continually had unmistakable power over his enemy. He would command and displace demons. And they were utterly afraid of him, utterly afraid of the presence or the name of Jesus. Even starving in a desert at his weaker moment, Jesus would use God's word and Satan was powerless. God's power is awesome. And so just like last week where we asked, okay, well, what does that mean for my life? And we walked through some specific ways that God's omniscience affects us. We'll do the same today with God's omnipotence, his power. But before we make it all about us, let's make much of God. Let's look to God. Let's look to Jesus Christ. And and yes, we'll answer the question on everyone's mind today of, well, if God's all-powerful, how come I don't experience his power? what, What is he doing in the world? But before we get to that, let's just fix our eyes on a God who is all-knowing and all-powerful and sit in wonder and stand in awe of Jesus Christ. I won't explain this every week, but last week we took a Selah moment. Selah, see that in the Psalms. It's simply one way to say it is to pause and calmly think about that, to weigh the meaning of something and to reflect on that thing. And so we'll do that in light of who God is. I'm going to pray and then we're going to 
sit silently for a few minutes and then the worship team's gonna lead us in a new song, introduce a new song. And then we'll look at how God's power can affect our life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are completely sovereign and sometimes you calm the storm, sometimes you send us out into the storm and then you walk on the water. And whatever you want to do, uh, we're with you. We ask for, and you know, we know that you will give us a peace that passes understanding and that you'll calm our spirits. God, in the face of uh, this virus and, and all kinds of sickness and trials uh, that we are, are, are facing, we ask that we would just experience your presence and comfort in a new way. God, please be with the families of those who are sick and have died, those who are worried and grieving. God, uh, be their defender. Defend them. And may they know you more. God, please be with medical professionals, researchers, doctors, nurses uh, who seek to help and who put themselves at risk in the process. May they know your protection and peace. Be with leaders of all nations. Give them foresight to act with clarity. May they know your peace as they work together to achieve it on earth. We lift up our nation's leaders, our state leaders, our local leaders to you. Jesus said, blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Somehow in our mourning, Jesus comforts us with the hope that creation and people will not always be broken. The world is broken. Humanity is broken. This is not breaking news to us. You have told us that you will return and make all things new, but that you want us in. You want us in on it. You want us reigning with you. And so you're giving an opportunity, you're giving us time to believe and trust in Jesus Christ. But until that time, we endure We ask for help seeing the world through your eyes. God, we the church run to the hilltops to shine a light. I pray for churches around the world that they would preach the gospel. God, I'm going to preach the gospel today. I pray that people would respond and that churches would do the same. God, help us to be a church on mission, reaching out to our, our neighbors and seeing how we can help, being a people that don't have a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and sound mind. And we say to our neighbor, can I tell you, the unexplainable, unmistakable peace I have right now? Oh, sovereign Lord, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. Nothing is too hard for you.
The amazing thing is that God is very generous with his power and his name, and he wants to share his power with you. The Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1, 19, I also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe this is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. That's amazing, incredible. There are so many people who never understand or appreciate or come to know God's power, the incredible greatness of God's power. There are two primary areas where we struggle with power, two primary shortages, power shortages in our life. And they speak to a bigger thing, but uh, let's start there. Power shortage number one is the power of even getting started. How many good things have you been postponing in the last six months? What would you like to change about yourself? You can't even get the motivation to get started. Do you ever find yourself paralyzed by someday I will. And how many addictions, bad habits, sins have you wanted to stop, but you can't? The Bible talks about this, but then even tells us the reason why we struggle with that, that those are really signals pointing to a bigger thing. In Romans 7, it says, For I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. And the reason we struggle is not simply because we do sin, but because we are sin, and we have a sinful nature. I have taught you many, many times that sin does not make you a bad person. Sin makes you a dead person. We are sin. We are dead and lost in our sin, and dead people are powerless. It's why we can't do the things we want to do, and we don't do, we end up doing the things we don't want to do. In King James' translation, it says it this way, how to perform that which is good, I find not. And it doesn't mean like a performance where you're pretending before God. It means we can't please God because we can't do what he's called us to do. Here's the good news, though. God can give us the power to perform. He can give me the power to get started. The same power that raised Christ from the dead can raise you from the dead. But you can't get started without Christ. You can't do anything to please him until he first revives you. Our righteousness is like filthy rags before him. Until we are covered by the blood of the cross, the blood of Jesus, and we are risen with him. And just like you didn't have anything to do with your physical birth, like you didn't plan your physical birth, you didn't announce that you were going to be born, you didn't have anything to do with your physical birth, you have nothing to do with being born again with your spiritual birth, without God's work. It's God's work that you were born again. But then what happens is we get started and we find, a, we find that our sin nature is now in battle with our new nature. Come on, you felt it. You felt it, the, the call of God on your life, but also this thing pulling you back and this thing that's intention. And we experience a new power shortage and that's power shortage number two, actually, the power to keep going. It's one thing to get started. Many people are great starters. They pray a prayer of salvation. They check a box. They'll get a blue chip. They'll make a good decision. They'll, for, they'll forgive someone. All those are great, but it's a whole other thing to keep going, isn't it? To keep forgiving, even when you don't feel like it. And God says, I'm not only going to give you the power to get started, but the same way that you got saved, I can keep you going. I can give you the power to keep going. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire. Now this is important. 
and the power to do what pleases him. God can give you the desire to, to do what pleases him. And the reason many people don't experience God's power is they're trying to do something God has no desire to do. He's not interested in empowering that thing. He could not care less about that. He's interested in his mission, his name. He knows what's important. So God, can you give me the desire for what's truly important and then I'll experience the power to do that thing. And maybe you feel powerless today or maybe you feel like you don't have the right desires and that's showing up in different areas of your life. Maybe you said, I've tried all kinds of things in my career, but it's just not working, or your marriage, or with your kids. And you say, I know I should keep going, but I feel like giving up. And we all experience fatigue. We experience fatigue physically. I read this week that the average stay-at-home parent walks 1,037 miles per year just around their own home. Ugh. I mean, we're tired and life is exhausting and then we grow spiritually tired and we look at what's happening around the world and we think I don't have the faith for another day I don't have the faith for another week I don't have the faith to handle this and we get spiritually exhausted and the Bible says that God can give me the power to keep what to keep doing what's good and the good news is God can provide the power to persist to persist persistence is a theme of the Bible that the ability that when I come to my, the end of myself, I can get a second wind. Isaiah 40, 28 through 31 says, Do you not know? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. That's a great verse. Because God's power is unlimited, because he never gets tired, he never gets weary, he never goes to bed, he never gets tired of my prayer requests, he has unlimited energy. Now, some people might ask, doesn't the Bible say that God rested? That after creation, six days of creation, he took the seventh day and rested. He did. It's not the same rest like we rest to recuperate. This is a different rest for him. Is He stopped. He stopped and rested, not because he was tired, but because he was done. He was finished. Those who hope in the Lord, because of his power, will renew their strength. And I know some of you are thinking, that may work for you, but that doesn't work for me. I don't experience the second wind. I don't experience God's power. I'm a believer, but I've never felt that in my life, and I don't know if this stuff really works. And I, that may work for you in this situation, in this circumstance of what our society is experiencing, but it doesn't work for me. And I would say, you're probably exactly right. Because God's power is not automatic. And I would say that many Christians do not have God's power in their life to any degree. And there are times that I use it and times I don't. There's times I have it and times I don't. And the reason is because there's some things you have to do to appropriate God's power in your life. And many people never key into it or they key into it for a season and then they stop caring about it. And then 
we end up, it's why so many believers are just as defeated as unbelievers. They're just as tired, they're just as hopeless, they're just as fatigued. And so the question becomes, how do you get God's power in your life? I want to show you today how to appropriate God's power and how to incorporate this into your relationship with God because this is going to be more than a one-time thing. This has got to be part of your life. And the first thing you've got to do is admit your lack of power. Now, friend, I don't care how you say this, just do it. Coming to the end of yourself, humbling yourself before God, dying to self, all those are great ways to say it. But you've got to come to the place where you realize that you're not omnipotent. And we think we are. We think we're God. We think we can handle anything. We think we can do anything. We think we can give answers to questions without consulting God. We think we can make big decisions without leaning on God. And we think that we don't need rest. And if you don't, you may not say it that way, but if you don't believe it, look at your schedule. I mean, good grief, who are we kidding There are times we think we're God and we need to admit our need for God's power in our life that we can't do it all on our own. That we're not going to reach every goal we set in life. We're not going to make as much money as we thought we were going to make. That we're a human being. We have weaknesses. We get older. We get sick. We are frail. We are powerless. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says, Three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away. What is it? Uh, it was, he never defines it exactly. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. That's something that's bothering him. We don't know if it's a, a hardship, an opposition, a rejection, a need, a temptation, whatever it is. But God said to him, my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. He says, I've come to a point where I actually delight in the thorn. Because God did not totally remove Paul's weaknesses. He did not heal those things. There may be things in your life that you say, good grief, I've asked God much more than three times to take it away. But God had bigger plans for it, and God wanted to redeem it and use that thing. Again, God is all-knowing. God knows what he's doing with you. And you may not know what you're doing with you, and you, you may not know what God is doing with you. But God knows what he's doing. And you've got to come to the, fact, come to the place where you say, I don't know. And I am powerless. And I do have weaknesses. And you die to self. The second thing that you do is then you believe in faith. And the key to personal power in our life is faith. It's not anything else, it's faith. Jesus makes uh, amazing statements. I listed two of them. Mark 9, he says, everything is possible for the one who believes. And Matthew 9, according to your faith, it will be done to you. And so if you think that you're going to make it through walking with Jesus, following Jesus without faith, you're sadly mistaken. It's going to take faith. And he works according to our faith. So since God has unlimited power, we should not limit him because of our expectations of him. God is an atomic bomb of power. We live firecracker lives. And there's no problem too big for God. And so if it's all equal for God, what's the difference? The difference is what am I willing to believe God for? If you want to see God's power in your life, 
You've got to admit you're powerless. You've got to believe in faith. Number three, this is important, speak in faith. You see this all throughout Scripture, that they are speaking in faith. In 2 Corinthians 4, 7, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. I love that. That is speaking in faith. That I am just a clay jar in the hand of an all-powerful God. Later in 2 Corinthians 4, it says that with the same spirit of faith, we also speak in faith because we believe. You must verbalize your faith. Announce your faith. Share your faith. Speak it. Verbalize it. The Bible says in the book of James that the tongue is the the rudder of our lives. Just like a rudder directs a, a massive ship. In the Proverbs, it says death and life are in the tongue. So what are you saying? What are you saying about your life? about your marriage, about your job, about your health, about your finances, about your kids. You know, in in Christian circles, it's often that people will get very concerned about what comes out of their mouth in terms of cussing. They don't want to say four-letter words, bad language. They don't want to cuss. But what can happen is we clean up the language and we address that, but we never address cursing. And we curse our situations. And we say it with all kinds of flowery words. We don't say it with any offensive tone or words. But we gossip and we curse our situations and our marriages and our families and our jobs. And we speak poorly about it all the time and then wonder, where's God's power in my life? Why don't I have any faith? We're not speaking in faith. And Jesus encourages us to speak in faith, to speak to the problem about how good our God is. And this is why singing is so valuable. Because you're speaking in faith, you're announcing it as though it's there. God's power is not automatic. You must admit your need for it, you must believe in faith, you must speak in faith. And number four, don't miss this one, then act in faith. This is vital. Many people miss this point. You must step out in advance before it's released. God wants to take action even, or wants you to take action even before you feel it. And so in the book of Jeremiah chapter 3, Joshua and the children of Israel come to the Jordan River. It's very similar to Moses parting the Red Sea. Uh, The whole nation had to pass over this river with all their cargo and everything else in order to get into the promised land. But it was springtime and the banks of the Jordan River were overflowing. It was impossible to cross. So God said to Joshua and the leaders of Israel, take the leaders and put them out in front of the people and tell them to start walking into the water. And as they begin to walk into the water, I will dam it up, up to the north, and the waters will then recede. And you will be able to walk across on dry ground. The leaders begin to walk into the river getting their feet, getting their ankles wet. I mean, it says as they stepped into it, the water dammed up, but how long did it take it to recede? And I wonder how wet are they getting as they're taking this into the river, probably thinking we're not going to be able to go very much further. When the priests put their feet in the water, the Jordan River stopped flowing. They acted as if the water would part, and it did. And God released his power. And God wants to share his power with you, But we've got to follow the steps. Sometimes he will send his disciples out into a storm. Sometimes he will send his people out into the river to act in faith. 
And some of you may be waiting for God to do an, a, mir- a miracle in your marriage, in, in a relationship, in your life. And he might be waiting on you to take the first step of faith. It's withheld. God's power is withheld at times. It's a deliberate choice to see if we will live in faith, act in faith, speak in faith, believe in faith. And so what? So what? God is omnipotent. What good is God's power if you never take advantage of it? And you're, gonna not, you're going to need God's power and love and a sound mind this week. It's available. What are you expecting God to do in your heart and mind and soul this week? We're going to need God's power. What good is the cross and the resurrection if we never believe in it, never trust in it, never are covered by it, never are resurrected by it? And I want to encourage you, Rockbrook Church, to believe in faith, to speak in faith, to act in faith this week. Let's pray. Well, the Bible says that God's power is wrapped up in a person, in an individual, and that person's name is Jesus Christ. You can't get the power without the person. And so if you've never put your trust in the work of Jesus Christ and never asked him to put his spirit in you, do that now. Say, God, I am powerless. I need a savior. I need someone who had the power to live the perfect life I could not live, to die in my place, to pay the punishment of death and to rise from the dead. And I need new life in Jesus' name. I need the power of the resurrection in my life. Father, thank you for your power. Thank you that it's available, that we don't need to live lives of frustration or fear when we put ourselves into your hands. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.